Hey there, dear listener. Today we've got an interview with a trio of devs and one dev spectating from the indie studio Hololabs about their latest upcoming mobile GPS-based AR project Sky Haven, a nominee for Most Anticipated Canadian Game in our 2022 Community Awards. This interview was recorded in mid-December. Stay tuned January 30th, 2023, next Monday, for a second interview with Hololabs and their collaborators John John and Kid Koala about their 2017 cult classic Rhythm Game Floor Kids, which we enjoyed so much here. It's been a bit longer to get that one done. We recorded that end of November, but I wanted to make sure I got it right. Enjoy. Just say your name and uh, role on the project. Uh, I'm Mike Wasniewski. I'm the president of Hololabs. I'm uh, Rob Rowe. I'm the VP of Rendering and Systems. And I'm Michael Sansegret. I am a product manager on this project. Whoa, I just read your last name. That's cool. I looked at it, but didn't put it together. It's got the word regret in it. Is that like, what does yeah. it mean? Well, it's sans regret. It's, uh, it's just French phrase meaning without regret. Nice. I like no that. Regrets. Yeah, no regrets. <laughs> Uh, but I guess I should start by introducing everyone. Welcome to another interview on the CanadianGameDevs.com podcast. We're so excited to be joined by several of the developers from Hololabs, Victoria, BC. There's lots of Victorias. Victoria, BC-based independent game studio. Uh, what would you give as the elevator pitch for uh, Skyhaven if you're... I- I'm the CEO of Take-Two. I've spent all day watching GTA print money and you catch me in the elevator. You got what's your two sentences for S- Skyhaven? Well, the sort of game dev version of it hmm. might be a cross between Pokemon Go and a merge game like Merge Mansion. Okay. Because it's got that sort of casual puzzle mechanic as well Mm. but the more sort of lofty creative version of the of the elevator pitch would be that it's an alternate reality game where you're discovering this mystery of these creatures in the sky and how they got there and you're a part of the agency that has discovered them a a new recruit trying to unfold untangle that mystery and and figure out who the bad guys and the good guys are in the in the agency as well agency that operates and keeps it secret yeah it's a secretive agency Uh, this is not your first AR project, right? You've done other uh, AR-like uh, things in the past, but is this your first AR game, like, fully? I think it's the first one that really focuses a lot on AR. Mm. Other projects have included it kind of as uh, as one mode or one feature, mm. which you kind of have to do anyway, right? You can't have a game that solely relies on AR because then it's just very limited. True. So I guess we'll start with the inspiration for Skyhaven. Uh, this is a new IP. This isn't like most of these kind of games are usually attached to an existing IP. Like, you know, the Nintendo's got Pikmin and Pokemon and the NBA has one now. My friend plays one where you collect different sneakers. They're like Adidas and Nike and stuff. But Skyhaven, completely new original idea for Hololabs. Uh, where did the inspiration come from for Skyhaven? This idea has been sort of circulating and morphing for many years. Uh, it used to be a farming sim, okay, and which was quite different. Um, we have always just wanted to do something in AR, and I think the IP kind of got born out of that, and we knew that we couldn't do much 
in the sort of like close up in front of you AR and we were looking for ways to make it more accessible and we thought well what about in the sky and uh and sort of that birthed these sky creatures hmm. sky's a big canvas it's yeah. true it's true and i realize how much i don't look up when i'm outside because since i've started playing and i'm taking trying to take pictures of them above me i'm like oh i like i never look up when i'm walking around so it's cool to have that different perspective on streets i've walked down dozens and dozens of times we, we found it kind of helps with immersion too like it's not just something that's going on right around you like in a park or something but you boot up and you see on the map there's a creature over like that part of town you take your phone out you're able to see it there it kind of helps like link everything a lot more and and kind of helps link the map mode to the ar mode to, all, to everything else too so i'm kind of curious was because uh, a lot of issues with ar is when it just like clips through things like a cluttered desk is really hard to map versus like up so is it is some of the design uh, eased in, in having that kind of usually blank canvas <laughs> definitely definitely um i mean it means we've kind of traded one edge case for another in a way. Mm. Like now we have to sort of compete with sunsets and sunrises. And so we've, we've uh, just for contact with people who aren't necessarily familiar, uh, we've got a sky occlusion system in there that's sort of, it's mainly uh, uh, image-based and computer vision-based. And so we're able to sort of really mask out creatures and have them look like they're going behind trees, and behind buildings and stuff like that. Um, where what we kind of give up in that way, though, is like we don't, we can't, we don't have creatures in like right in front of you so we don't have to deal like what you're saying of like having some clip through a table or have it like you know not kind of awkwardly be positioned in front of you in a way that the lighting doesn't work and stuff like that so mm. having stuff out in the far field there uh it, it like like michael said earlier one of one of our um mottos or, or, or taglines or things we've kind of been saying is like the sky is our canvas so mm. that's kind of what we've been what we've been using to paint with awesome also well, takes this scale to us to, to a sort of high stakes sort of yeah. place. Yeah, right. a whole new level of scale, yeah. Oh yeah, I just assume these are like blimp-sized creatures flying <laughs> around above me, which you don't get when there's like a little ghastly in the corner of your room playing Pokemon. Yeah. I was curious, like in the pitch, uh, they mentioned, yeah, be careful who you trust. How much will that like sort of spy kind of, if you give me like espionage vibes, like how much is that gonna factor into the, the story of what I'm doing? Quite a bit. Okay, can you say anything <laughs> yep. more? I was missing word there that I was kind of alluding to. Is the agency is a secret agency that doesn't necessarily want everybody to know that these creatures are, are possible to see and to code and uh, and learn about. Hmm. Will there be uh, tensions between players? Like you're not like a hidden role element almost? I'm not sure if the other person walking around my street pointing at the ceiling is on my team or not. Mm -hmm. It's definitely what we want to allude to. Mm. Um, so this is an alternate reality game where it takes place in your world, you know, in, in your town, in your neighborhood. So you can see locations around you that you're familiar with. And the people who you talk to are theoretically local people, other agents in your area. Some can be fictional, but our hope is to include uh you know real real friends of yours as well i like that uh how are the different biomes going to come into play uh, what what should people expect if if you live in alberta versus the east coast i'll, I'll take this one uh we've we've been talking about that um originally when it was a farm sim like we we had different biomes and, and that was sort of a heavy part of it uh we've right now we've kind of we're not We've been discussing about ideas of like, yeah, if you're out in Victoria, having like out on the coast or out in, uh, in uh, Nova Scotia or something, having more aquatic, more ocean-based, maybe uh, uh, 
types of creatures or, or even like aesthetics to creatures. Um, mm. And then what if you're more inland having something that's more earth-based or something like that. But those are sort of ideas that, you know, we're, we're in a beta, we're still sort of flushing out ideas in some ways and seeing, and seeing what, uh, what works and what, what, uh, what, might, what we might want to rework. The nice thing about having that is we can take the set of creatures. We're, we're not going to have 150 like Pokemon, you know, mm. we're a small team. And so it's, it's a, it's a really good way of being able to sort of take the set of creatures that we do have and, and to be able to kind of uh, add a lot of variation to them that way. But uh, it's still something that we're, we're kind of, we're kind of working on reworking. So. And this is, this is like a beta ass beta. Like you're getting stuff out. This isn't two weeks from launch. We're just testing. We're just building hype. <laughs> you know, what, what is yeah. the goal? Yeah. What, do you, what do you guys want to get out of this beta first and foremost? Oh, internal validation. Approval. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy to be happy. I'm proud of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what we're really trying to get is a solid initial experience so that we know that we've got something that hooks people, that makes people want to play, hmm. that the core themes of the game are resonating well enough to make people want to spend time with it. Uh, so th that hyper focus on the first initial experience of the game, those first few little bit of it, making sure that it works for people, I think is probably an, actually a factor that's led us to sort of like start pushing some things to a little bit later, like the biome thing, mm. because like we want that first experience to sort of like, like there's a certain amount of like putting it in control and not wanting it to be drastically different if you were in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. We certainly wouldn't want uh, someone who lives in rural Saskatchewan to like to have no plot happening because, oh, that requires you to be in a city or something. Right. And that um, is, that's the challenge, right? Is you're tying it to those like geographic, like the, the tethers are uh, set up at those tower yeah. things are tied to like real world landmarks like Pokemon. And, you know, I saw like I was in rural Ontario when Pokemon Go came out and I opened it and I was like, oh, I can go a kilometer this way and get a shitty Pokemon and that's it. And <laughs> how, how are you trying to avoid that with Skyhaven? We've been doing a lot of testing. So actually, I was also in rural Ontario this year. and I've actually been bouncing. I was in Montreal at different points of the year. And the first thing I was, I was doing when I landed was like taking the game up and be like, okay, how does this work at Pearson Airport? Okay, it's working. How does this work at Kingston? Oh, uh -huh. you know, and so could <laughs> and and like or like um, two hours outside of Kingston or something, um, and seeing like kind of like what works, and what doesn't. Um, and so we've got a lot of tools on our side of being able to jump to a different location and see how things work. Um, like just this week, I was jumping to Tokyo and jumping to different parts around um, North Africa and Europe and seeing, making sure that we do have tethers and we've got content and that someone. Uh, goes in and plays the game, but they're going to have a good experience. Mm. Um, one of the things we're working on right now is having a fallback so that when we don't have those points, uh, what else, what other like data and like sort of re, um, features around a person at any given spot in the world, what can we fall back on to be able to have something tied to, to, uh, to, to, to get to tie one of the tethers to, or to tie a, tie a narrative point to. It's, um, it's fun to have the tethers be on like landmarks and places that you know mm -hmm. and as soon as you see them over the building tops you go oh that might be at you know a landmark or something that i know that's probably over at the park or over at the center square or things as those things are not present in the data set that we get to pull from we mm -hmm. kind of have to come up with like a lot of different sort of ways to craft a good experience in the absence of that and so fabricate a little bit of structure that is going to lead to those places that keeps the gameplay sort of relatively stable and in the elements that are in present in it but still sort of like whenever though we don't have to do that we want to try and pay tribute to what would stand out to you or in your environment so that mm. it feels like yeah the game meshes with your local environment
Yeah, and what, what was interesting, like like I mentioned to you before, I was about a few hours outside of Kingston, Ontario. I opened our game, saw the result. I started opening Pokemon Go and Pikmin and a few other like located like Jurassic World, sort of see a few other location-based mobile games, like how what what results they get, and there was varying results between each of them. Mm. Um, and so yeah, like it's definitely something we've we've kept in mind throughout the whole design my friend chris he plays that uh, shoe one uh he was really upset because on his commute he was just outside of all of the spots that would pop up so he, he emailed them and he was like i want to play this every day but like i have to like just it's just inconvenient enough and they were like well what's your they were like draw on this google map like what your route is and they just dropped like two or three on his thing and he was like whoa that's incredible so if i am in rural saskatchewan is skyhaven gonna populate my area even if there's no land yeah i'm getting a nod from mike and rob we have mechanisms that are gonna try and take that into account and we're testing them right now yeah excellent yeah so like know. I think the nodding is like that's the intent. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's it's uh yeah. Um good idea. <laughs> There's another like we were pretty cognizant about people wanting to play just sitting on their couch and mm. you know laying in bed at night and stuff like that. So, you know, there's you got to design games like this so that people can play like that and don't need to feel like they always need to go and travel to some location. You might get a bonus or a benefit from doing that, you might be able to sort of strategize and and help your current task or mission that you're working on by by going somewhere. But you can always just sit on the couch as well. I like that. So actually, that's a good point. Like one of the things we we have, we have a drone. Uh, we have a drone element in the game. Penny. So, and, and Penny, Penny, Penny's our drone. And um, and her sort of function uh, from a design standpoint is. Yeah, what happens if you are just outside of that spot or what happens if there is you are on the couch you don't want to get up you don't want to go walk the dog and go outside and get wet because it's raining um so this drone element is, is there to help you you can send the drone to some of these locations to sort of help with the gameplay and there's also a whole element of you know not everybody's phone um when i started on the project two years ago my phone didn't support ar so not everybody's phone mm. uh, supports ar uh, so we don't want to limit it to that we don't want to force players to necessarily have that experience so we have a drone mode too, where you can send the drone up, you can view the creature in 3D, it renders the map down below you, the satellite uh, imagery and everything. And so it, there's another layer of sort of immersion there. Um, and it doesn't force players to go into AR if, if their their phone doesn't support it or, um, or if they just don't want to go to a window. And so, yeah. One thing I'm always curious about uh, is where are you guys getting all of the data to populate the landmarks and maps? Like, I assume it just looks like Google Maps to me, but I'm curious, like, what is it actually? Google has a playable location uh, API that we've been using the data out of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have found that, you know, like I mentioned, as soon as I you know, went outside of uh, outside of Kingston, it, the, the points drop off. And even in Victoria here, you go towards Sydney and outside of any real urban area. And the density really uh, kind of falls off a cliff in some areas. And so we've been looking at other ways uh, to be able to generate spots, whether it's uh, intersections or whether it's like, parks that aren't necessarily in the data set and, uh, and, and trying to rely on that. So uh, if you are in real Saskatchewan or, or somewhere, then there is at least something there that we can fall back onto. What would you say uh, anyone who wants to answer has been the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome in Skyhaven's development so far? Yeah. Sign. <laughs> um, we're we're fusing together a couple different genres, I guess, merge and casual with kind of nerdy techie AR and location-based gameplay, um, like sort of achievement 
leveling up RPG kind of uh, gameplay with the creatures. So it's been a lot of it's it's been a challenge to mash up all these all these genres in a design sense. Hmm. Air tech is also like it's not exactly yeah. It's it's one of the things that we sort of had first and continue to have to do, make iterations on. But so it's kind of in a long away memory. But frankly, the yeah. game would be, probably wouldn't be happening if we hadn't started with that. Mm. Well, to, to be honest, that is probably like the most impossible thing to get right. Right? There's like there's so many edge cases, and you can never make AR perfect because the world is so unknown and. You can't anticipate all of those, uh, all those situations. So, there's not a solved problem yet by anybody on this planet. And we're not <laughs> going to solve it, but we're doing we're doing a an interesting thing where we're taking a slice of it and focusing on the sky. And I think we can get something really, really engaging that way. I guess. I, I always like to ask if there's anything in Skyhaven uh, that might not be obvious to players. Oh. I think a lot of the best designs are things you don't notice, but if they're there, but would notice if they're not there. Is there anything in, in Skyhaven you especially want people to to realize is in there, adding to the experience they might not? There's a few themes that I'm really hoping to like, kind of like become sort of clear to people over the course of playing the game. Okay, like um, story themes, or yeah, well, like we care a lot about environmentalism and mm. about the future of climate change and what should be considered that we should be more optimistic about the potential for for outcomes. And so there's an element of that that would be like, we really want that to come across to people, but at the same time, that's not what we want to make the name of the game. So, but it's, it's still just something that's pretty, pretty important to us that we want it to come across. Yeah. So the quite if players are asking themselves why these creatures are here now, like, why are we just seeing them now? Have they always been here? Where did they come from? Um, those are good questions to be asking without giving away any spoilers. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So when can we, uh, we're, we're getting a lot of data from this uh, beta and hopefully some inner validation from, from players enjoying it. What's the timeline look like for the rest of Skyhaven's development? Well, we're going from beta into some soft launch testing in the new year, in Q1. We have in this... Singapore? I, I always see them hit Singapore first for some reason. <laughs> um, but back to the climate change theme, there is Earth Day. Um, in in April, mm. at the end of April, which will be uh, a little bit of a, an, a date for us, an event. So uh, we're, we're hoping that people in Canada maybe uh, would uh, be able to play a, around that time. Okay. Listeners of this program, stay tuned for Earth Day 2023. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was it for my prepared questions. Is there anything you guys wanted to add about Skyhaven or Hololabs? Well, you talked a little bit about the AR, AR and our solution with the sky. I guess one thing that I wanted to say earlier that I didn't really get the chance was why kind of we did that and how we tried a lot with uh, rendering AR close up and and having creatures really close and and also plants 
uh, an, an earlier iteration of this game had us collecting a lot of plants hmm. around us as you were walking around town plants would kind of pop up at your feet and on the walls and surfaces around you you could harvest those and then feed the creatures and so there was a sort of collection resource management game aspect and we might bring back some aspects of that but i the think the themes that, yeah yeah or maybe even some of the tech later on um but it was it, that that technology is really hard mm. um rendering stuff around you in all sorts of lighting conditions out on the street or in your house uh on surfaces where things can pass by you dynamic it, objects people walking by cars whatever it's so easy to create a tech demo of this happening and it to look cool yeah but then the real world is just one big edge case where yeah. it doesn't look good yeah it, yeah you have a great tech demo and the first person you give it to it explodes you know or it breaks <laughs> or, or or it's not as great or something and so yeah there's a lot of a lot of intricacies to it yeah we've been following Niantic's uh vps um, well, the Niantic's Lightship system as well, mm. and they have this thing called VPS, which I sense for virtual positioning system. Positioning system. Okay. But oh, the, like GPS. The, yeah, the thing that they're trying to do is um, build a big database of scanned 3D objects out in the world, so statues in public squares and and you know things that a lot of people might encounter and. Where, and so you can build content now using Lightship and and place things um, in in these squares and around these statues and have them interact with it. Know know all the all the mesh data in advance. So that's something to look at in the future as well. And maybe we'll have events popping up at VPS locations or something like that in the future. So we're looking at that. Um, what else did I want to say about AR? I forget. But <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the thing you know. Like, one of the key points that Mike's getting at is like you were we're always sort of looking at the horizon and sort of seeing like what's where the state of technology is at and what what can we use to provide like a really cohesive and like enjoyable experience because I think you know there's a lot of AR stuff out there and, and sometimes it doesn't necessarily work really well it works really well on like the best high high fidelity iPhone but then you know my regular uh, Android device might not necessarily like handle it as well. And so you know, that's one thing we've always been looking at, like how can we take the, t the latest tech and really kind of give a cohesive and solid experience. It's not just a gimmick, but like tied into the actual game and, and uh, tied into an experience. That's got to be even more, as far as developing, drastic than even the, the like lowest, your benchmark PC versus the best PC. Like the difference in phones has to be even more mm -hmm. stressful to, to get it running on. Is that safe to say if you've worked on both? Yeah, definitely. I like... And and even the disparity between like, like I sort of reference iPhone and, and Androids like iPhones um, it, it works it handles it really well a lot of the, the um, AR tech and the rendering and everything and then the Androids um, the latest Androids are pretty good but the uh, anything maybe two plus years back can can struggle a bit and stuff mm. and so that's one thing we've been looking at at uh, and a real strong component of why we added the drone mode so that you know not everybody has to have AR. We, we check if a player's device supports it. If it doesn't support AR, then we give them that option. Um, but uh, only always have the option to use the drone. Nice. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a challenge. Is someone's desk at Hololabs just got all the different phones on it? <laughs> We're testing it on all these different. All desks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Matthew is Matt, our, guy. Our he probably guy. Had, keeps the most of them on hand. He's, he has a shelf behind him with uh, with a number of devices. Nice. Um, yeah. 
I've got an old LG that I take out, and got, we've got a few old phones around here. And yeah, we we've uh, got a collection. It's. Uh, I'm picturing, you know, that guy in Japan who would like walk people's Pokemon Go's for him and he just got a bike with like yeah. the, yeah, yeah. I'm picturing <laughs> one of those all playing Skyhaven. Awesome. I didn't see that, but yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You should look at that. It's hilarious. Got a big <laughs> rig mounted in front of him with just dozens of phones. That's amazing. Just walking people's eggs and scanning their <laughs> Pokestops. <laughs> great to listen to the podcast live <laughs> <laughs> excellent game, game jets is filmed in front of a live a studio audience in hobbit hole question mark hobbiton yeah, yes, yeah. I'm, I'm live from hobbiton right excellent now. excellent yeah. all right see you guys excellent. thank you hey